Hey there, Strong Mom. Welcome to the Mom's New Strong Show, a show that inspires, educates, and motivates you to ditch the weight loss and fitness drama and create a fit and healthy lifestyle that you love, all centered around down-to-earth and practical solutions that will leave you feeling inspired and ready to take action. I'm your host, Jessica May, fitness and nutrition coach, hot mess mama too, a recovering perfectionist, and a lover of all things sprinkles and Mexican food. I'm also a woman on a mission to help you strengthen your body and mind so that you can be the best version of yourself. Ready to unleash your inner and outer strong mom? Let's get started. Hey mom, welcome back to another episode of the Mama's New Strong Show. And today I am talking about weight loss and fitness myths. And not just any, I'm talking about the top five that are still alive and kicking. I hear women talk about these things. Just in this past week, some of these have come up when I have talked to women and some of my personal training clients. Not only that, but these are five myths that I fell for that I believed in and I thought they were just tried and true weight loss um, tactics because the thing is a lot of the stuff I feel like is, oh, it's like a bad rumor. (laughs) Do you remember in high school? I don't know about you. I lived in a small town in South Texas and if somebody says something, you know, that went around the whole school and I had this rumor went around about me that I was pregnant uh, when I was in my a sophomore and that was the first time that I had like my first real high school boyfriend and I was just happy and you know what happens when you're happy and then his mom made really good Mexican food so guess what I gained some weight and then somebody came up to me one day and was like I heard you're pregnant <laughs> I was like what <laughs> no I'm not and that actually was the start of my eating disorder but anyways I feel like these fitness myths are kind of like those rumors that were really spread about you and they just they just spread and it just goes from one person to another and we don't really think them through or we don't really look up and analyze like hmm i don't know is this true or not it's just we just it just gets passed on it just gets passed on from one woman to another to another woman and that's a lot of how it goes when it comes to weight loss and fitness you know it's all a lot of it is a bunch of hearsay i feel like now the whole weight loss industry is kind of catching up to this things. A few years back, every once in a while, I look at like women's fitness magazines or not fitness magazine. Those are those are all right, but like women's health and Cosmo, Cosmo and things like that. And I would I would just be shaking my head looking at the articles they had about fitness and health. And it's like, did you do your freaking research? <laughs> you know, these these things have are no longer thought like this has been disproven by science. You know, and to keep that in mind. Science is always changing. Like there are things that I find out later that are disproved by science because you know what? Technology and science, they grow and then things change. But what I'm going to share with you today is these things, there's science to back up what I'm talking about of how these are not true, but yet I still hear them all the time and it drives me crazy. So that's why I'm making this podcast episode because I don't want you to fall for it. Like I said, I get asked these things a lot and obviously it's still out there. So it needs to be addressed. The first one that I just talked about to women this week is don't the whole thing of you can't eat after 7 p.m. if you're trying to lose weight. Who came up with 7 p.m.? I don't know. I feel like you know, this is just, mm, I'm going to explain to you why I think this came about. I'm also going to debunk it as well. So for some reason, this whole myth goes 
that if you eat anything after 7 p.m., guess what? It just magically goes to all the wrong places and you just magically gain a bunch of weight. And your body does not work like that. And something, you know, nothing magical happens after 7 p.m. You don't turn into like the gremlin, you know? Do you remember that movie where the gremlin, if you fed him after midnight or the mongwai or whatever you call that little cute creature, that little cute cuddly creature, if you fed him after midnight, then he turned into this like crazy gremlin. That doesn't happen guys like that doesn't happen to you nothing different happens your body functions and uses food the same damn way whatever time of the day it is what I think happened is this comes about because what kind of food choices do we usually make after 7 p.m 7 p.m is usually about after dinner it's usually about the time we're uh, unwinding in front of the tv from the day our willpower is at its lowest, right? Because if you didn't know, willpower is like a battery. You make all these decisions throughout the day and you get fatigued and then, you know, decision fatigued. And by the end of the day, your willpower battery is shot. So you're more likely to make bad choices or not the greatest choices or choices that are not aligned with what you want when it comes to food. Not only that is if you had a stressful day or things like that. A lot of us women are emotional eaters. So what are we going to do? We're going to zone out. We're going to buffer in front of the TV, eating a bag of chips mindlessly, right? And what I mean by mindlessly is when you are focused on something else while you're eating, you're not really aware of that intake of food, especially if you don't portion it out. So if you're sitting down with a huge serving of something like a bag full of chips, well, guess what? Before you know it, your hand's going to be hitting the end of the bag, <laughs> like the bottom of the bag, and you're like, where the hell did all these chips go? And that's what I call mindless eating. So we are more likely to do all those kinds of things after 7 p.m. And I think that's really where this came about. But if you are making healthy choices, it doesn't matter when you eat your food, as long as it's fitting within your daily requirements for your goal. And I'm going to, and I've, I know this for a fact because it's been tried and true with me. What has it been like three, three years ago now that we lived in Fort Worth. And when we lived in Fort Worth, my husband, he drove, uh, he drove groceries or delivered groceries to the Kroger's in the area and his schedule is really weird. And he would come home about 9, 9.30. And at the time, the kids were little. They didn't have school. So I could do dinner later. And I really wanted, we hadn't seen him all day. So I really wanted to be like, we eat dinner together. So routinely, we ate dinner around 9, 9.30. And this was the time, this was a year after Millie was born or during that time period where I had set that goal for myself. Like, I'm getting in the best damn shape of my life. And routinely eating dinner at 9, 9.30, I was able to have six-pack abs by, the, by I think, 10 months 11 months after Millie somewhere around there and so that just proves in itself like if you are sticking with one what you need for the day you can eat that at you can eat a later dinner it's not going to do anything not only that but sometimes I would even have a snack before bed and this is another thing I've seen women that unfortunately they fall into this trap of thinking I can't eat after 7 p.m because I don't know, whatever happens, you know, it's going to make my, it's not going to, it's going to stall or it's going to make me gain weight. And what happens is then these women have a hard time falling asleep. And that's how I am. I cannot go to sleep on an empty stomach. I won't be able to sleep well. And there's a lot of women like that. And my theory, and I believe I've done some, I've done a little bit of digging on this, but I didn't see too much like science stuff based on it. But my theory is the reason why is everything falls back to how we have evolved and why we're here, right? How, what have, well, how did our ancestors, what are the habits and things that they did that got us to be here? And well, you got to think about it if you're hungry, right? So if you're going to bed hungry, if your ancestors went to bed hungry, right, back then, 
in the cave and they're hungry, do you think they're going to be able to sleep? No, their body is going to wake them up. They're going to get a shot of cortisol or they're going to, you know, have that second wind so they can get their ass up and go out there and hunt and find some food. You know, so that's my, that's the way I see it. And that's my kind of my theory about this. And I've noticed that with me, if I go to bed and I have a full stomach, if I don't have a full stomach, not a full stomach, but if I haven't ate, then it's really hard for me and my sleep's disruptive. Now you could be the total opposite, but that's going back again to what I always say is you got to figure out yourself and what works for you. But just know that you can eat after 7 p.m. and be completely fine as long as it fits in your plan. So this is something that you have to play around with. This is something I also play around with when it comes to carbs like how much carbs sometimes I notice I feel better if I eat a really heavy big meal at dinner and then in the morning I eat something light and then I go work out and I feel like okay I I feel really good in the gym but that's just what works for me some people are the opposite some people that they they can't eat a huge meal for dinner or they're gonna like if they're too full for dinner it's hard to go to sleep that's something for you to determine, but just know eating after 7 p.m. is totally fine as long as we're making better choices. So I know I kind of got off on tangent, but I think there's a lot of good insight into that. The next myth that I want to talk about is this whole idea that you can spot reduced fat. And this drives me crazy. And I know this is, is still a thing because I can go on a Pinterest and I can type in love handles workout or back fat workout or whatever workout. And I can find something. And these people are posting these workouts saying that this is going how you get rid of back fat. This is how you get rid of your love handles. This is, and I'm just like here shaking my head. Like it doesn't work like that. Fat loss doesn't work like that. You can't spot reduce fat. You lose fat all over your body. And not only that is genetics do play a part in this. So you will know this if, and I know this, because I talk to women all the time about this kind of stuff, but everybody loses weight a little differently. You know, some women, they hold on to weight more in their upper body, some in their lower body, some in this place, some in that place. It's so obvious if you look at people, everybody is a little bit different and they're all proportion a little bit different. I think that's really what makes the world a beautiful place that we're all different. But knowing that you can't spot reduce and then being aware of what are my problem areas. Like for me, when I lose weight, guess what? I don't have, well, I really don't have any boobs now. <laughs> I don't have any boobs, but that's where I lose weight. I've never been big chested. I'm a double, barely a double A. And you know, if I drop body fat even more than what I am now, I'm going to lose whatever that's there too. That's just the way I, that's the way my body is. And then I also, I tend to hold when I gain, I hold it more like in my lower half, you know, than my upper or have it is just everybody is different so just know what those trouble spots are those are going to be the last to go right because they're the biggest if you're losing weight pretty evenly distributed throughout your body those spots that have more fat to lose those are going to be the last to go and that's just completely normal you can't really do anything about that that's just genetics and we got to just realize that and stop thinking that we can do these special exercises to spot reduce you can't spot reduce fat the only thing you can do is you can gain muscle you can gain muscle in an area so for example if you're somebody that was not blessed with a nice butt <laughs> you got a flat butt or whatever the great thing about that is you can build a butt, you can strength train, you can gain muscle in your butt, your glutes, and that will create a nice bigger rounder butt. Um, so that's something that you can do. 
And that will help you to look, you know, it'll help you to have curves in the right places. Because one thing that's really also great about bodybuilding too, is for me, I have more of an athletic build. So I don't really have, I don't have big wide hips. I really don't um, at all. So I'm kind of straight up and down in that area, but I can create an illusion that I have more curve by having a bigger butt and then by also developing my lats, which is my upper back. So I can have like that V shape more. And if I'm bigger up there, it's going to create the illusion that I have a smaller waist that's you know, more curved in and I, when I don't really naturally kind of have that. So that's what's fun about bodybuilding is you can create more of those illusions of, of creating more of a shape, right? But we can't swap reduce fat. That's just not possible. The next myth and myth number three is cardio is the best exercise for fat loss. And I have done a podcast episode on that and I'm going to look it up really fast because it is probably one of my more popular ones when I look at my stats and for good reason, right? And it is a podcast episode saying that cardio is not the best way to, way to lose weight. It's actually strength training. And it is, I will tell you right now what episode it is. Let me look, get onto my podcast. Sorry, guys, bear with me. Actually, I'll put it in the show notes too, because that would probably help. But it is episode number 15. It's three reasons why weightlifting is better for fat loss than cardio. So I'm just going to kind of give you a little snap, a snippet of that. But if you really want to know a de- into detail why this is, then you're going to want to go and you're going to want to listen to that. And like I said, um, I'll put that in the show notes. But anyway, so a lot of the times we think or we have been led to believe and people still think this because I see them on the treadmill, you know, um, all the time, not even attempting to weightlift is that cardio is the best exercise for fat loss when it really is not for a multitude of reasons. I'm going to give you the gist of it, like I said, for the full detailed list and really going in and explaining all this. You want to go to that other podcast episode. But cardio... So this is what happens. We assume that cardio is better for fat loss because if you were to wear like a fitness watch, which nowadays pretty much everybody has one and you were to, you know, put your heart rate monitor on it and see how many calories you're burning during exercise, you would see that cardio burns more than strength training. I kind of would argue that depending on what the cardio is because I can burn a lot of damn (laughs) calories in a lower body leg weightlifting session because I can really challenge, I really push myself and I know how to uh, lift, uh, uh, like challenge myself in that way. But anyways, on on average, you're going to see that a cardio workout will you'll burn more calories than if you were to lift weights. So the assumption is, okay, well, cardio is better for fat loss because I'm burning more calories while I do it. But what people don't understand is what happens after the workout is done. So when you do a steady state cardio session, steady state means your heart rate stays elevated about the same. You know, you're going for a jog, you're on the stair step, or you're doing something and you're just consistently keeping that heart rate up. That's steady state cardio. When you finish that exercise, the, the fat burning stops or the, sorry, the calorie burning stops right then and there. What people don't realize is when you do a strength training session, when you're lifting weights, your metabolism is elevated up to 48 hours after that strength training session. And this is because your body just went through something that it has to repair from because essentially you're kind of breaking down that muscle when you're exercising. 
And so afterwards, your body has to repair it. It goes through a process that's called protein synthesis. And this is the act of your body repairing muscle. This is, you know, repairing it and then also building it back to be stronger. So next time you put it through that same stimulus, it's going to be able to keep up. So this is the whole thing about gaining muscle. This is why also eating enough protein, enough carbs is important because that is important for function of protein synthesis, especially eating enough protein. So if you don't have the nutrition part and you don't have the recovery part after the strength training, you won't expect to see much gains. But that's another that's for another episode. I think I've talked about it before. So let's go back. During that 48 hours after your strength training session, when your metabolism raised, when protein synthesis is happening, your body is using it's your metabolism raised because your body is using energy to repair its the muscle. All right. So you're actually over the long run, you're actually burning more calories from the strength training session because of the recovery afterwards versus the cardio session. It's just very misleading if we're just looking at our fitness watch and not understanding what happens after a strength training session. So essentially you are burning more calories doing a strength training session over the long run. Okay. Now the other thing to keep in mind is the more muscle you have, the higher your metabolism is, the more uh, calories you burn throughout the day. This is essentially your metabolism, how many calories you burn in a day just for your body to survive. And the more muscle you have, the higher that is. And so it's beneficial for your metabolism to try to build more muscle or why you are losing weight to at least maintain that muscle. It's very important. You know, a lot of people try to lose weight and they just do a bunch of cardio. They never do some strength training. You, those people, I I guarantee 100%, they are losing muscle as they're losing fat and you don't want that. That's why their metabolism is going down. That's why when they stop the weight loss, they rebound and gain a bunch of weight back because their metabolism is so much lower and so they can't eat with as much as they were used to, you know, if if you, they were only eating 1200 calories and they're not strength training to keep their metabolism and their muscle um, up then what's going to happen is their body adjusts to that 1200 calories and that becomes their norm. Not only just not to lose weight, that just becomes their norm to maintain. And that is not a place you want to be. And if you just focus on cardio while you're losing weight, you're more likely to end up in that place. So that was weight loss myth number three. Cardio is the best exercise for for weight loss. So next is number four, which is lifting heavy will make you bulky, right? I've heard women say this. I don't want to lift weights because I'm going to get bulky and I'm going to gain a bunch of muscle. Like I'm just prone to doing that. I'm already a big person or a big bone person. And it's like, mm, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, us women cannot gain, we gain muscle at half of the rate that men do. So what is that? look like half a pound of muscle gain for a woman a month is healthy normal and and that's really about where you're going to be maybe in the beginning you might be up or close to one pound of muscle a month but that's going to taper down and then the longer you've been doing this for like somebody like me that's been consistently lifting heavy lifting correctly for like three years well I'm lose. I'm gaining even my potential to gain more gain muscle is even less than that Right, so I hope that put it into perspective. I promise you, you're not going to look like She-Hulk. It is not possible. Us women do not have the amount of test. We have a fraction of the testosterone that men have. And not only that, is when we see women that look like that, they're taking some type of drug. And that's the thing is when we look on Instagram and on social media, 
We see these competitors and they're freaking huge and that's not natural. (laughs) That is not naturally possible. So stop comparing yourself to those kinds of women. Um, You know, it's just not. So lifting heavy is not going to make you bulky. Let me tell you what it is going to do. It's going to make you look toned, right? So this is what we want. We want to lose fat and we want to gain muscle. So that way when we lose the fat, then we are curved in the right places, right? We have that muscle tone. That's all toned is. Women think, you know, this whole thing, and it's not our fault. It's the weight loss industry. They make us think like there's a special way to get toned. And the special way to get toned is you do lighter weights and you do more reps. And if you want to get big, then you do heavy weights and you do less reps. And that is total bullshit. (laughs) It's total bullshit. So the way that you want to get toned is you want to lift heavy and you want to push yourself. And then that in conjunction with fat loss, so that way you can see that muscle tone, that's how you get sexy and that's how you get toned. Guys, even Victoria's Secret models lift weights, <laughs> you know? So it's lifting weights is is great, but we also want to lift weights in a way that's going to stimulate muscle growth. And that is going to be by lifting heavy. Now that looks different from everybody. And I've talked about this before, so I'm just going to kind of, just kind of touch on it again. But when I'm talking about heavy lifting, I'm talking about for you and muscle gaining rep ranges is 12 reps and below. So you as a beginner, if you're just starting out the gym, you want to stick to like 10, you want to stick to 12, 10 to 12 reps, three sets. And you know, of course, lifting properly as well helps, but you're going to pick a weight that's challenging for you for that 12 reps. So what does that mean? And what does that look like? Because a lot of women don't know. And about halfway through your reps, so about six reps in, you're going to feel like, okay, this is kind of, this is getting heavy. And then your last three should be really challenging where you have to give all you got to do that lift without breaking form, all right? So you do never want to be breaking form. You want to get to that point where it's so challenging, but at the same time, it's not challenging where you're breaking form. And the reason why is for one, of course, injuries, but for two, when you're breaking form, your body is recruiting other muscles to lift that weight. So you're not even getting anything out of that exercise that was intended, right? So in bodybuilding, a lot of times we're doing a lot, we're doing isolated movements or we're you know, working certain body parts. And we want to make sure that we're working that body part, right? And we're not using our body to do that lift for us, but we want whatever muscle we're working. That's when intentionality really matters uh, as well as you're making sure you're feeling it and the muscle contracting where it's supposed to be, right? So anyways, lifting heavy, that's how you kind of get, that would be a great point to get place to get started. And then as you really learn proper techniques and things like that, then you can play around with dropping the rest down and focusing on lower rep ranges, all right? But don't shy away from lifting heavy. That's how you're going to get toned. You have to gain muscle to look toned. Gain muscle, lose fat, that equals being toned, right? So weight loss myth number five, you have to eat super healthy and give up all your favorite foods to lose weight and get fit. This is a myth that I did fall for. And let me tell you this, guys, before I learned how to macro count, I ate really healthy. I was on a paleo diet and my diet, like when you say clean, like, oh, girlfriend, <laughs> like my diet was clean. All right. It was, I was so, I was, I was pretty much neurotic around food and I would get like food, um, 
anxiety about making sure I was eating a super healthy, super clean diet. This meant like me driving two hours from where I lived. I lived in the small town and the, the closest Whole Foods was two hours away. I literally would drive two hours away like twice a month to buy as healthy as food and organic food as I could get. And at the time I was doing some exercise, I was still didn't know how to lift properly. This is a while. This is a long time ago, maybe like six or seven years ago now. And guess what? I didn't look fit. <laughs> I didn't look fit. Um, I didn't look how I wanted to. Um, and I was eating super healthy and clean. And the thing is, guys, that calories do matter. I hate to say that when it comes, honestly, health should come first, right? Before the weight loss, before all that, health should always be numero uno. That should be your number one priority. So eating healthy, eating organic when you can, make eating more vegetables, cutting out the junk, the processed foods, that is so good for your health and that should be a priority. But if you're trying to get fit and you're trying to get toned, you have to look at calories and you have to look at macros. That's really dialing it in and giving your body what you need because you can, though it is harder than um, a bunch of cookies, you can overeat vegetables, okay? It's just a lot harder because vegetables have more fiber in them and it fills you up really fast. But you can, quote, you can overeat eating healthy. You can. Um, so that's something to really be aware of is it's like that's a big part is eating healthy, but that alone is not, going to get you to, you know, the next level of fitness, it could be, it's a really great starting point for weight loss. I'm not going to say it isn't. That would be really where I would start somebody. I don't start every client right away doing like macro counting. You know, it just really depends on where they're at, but there is going to get a point where the progress is going to stop. You know, usually that's about the last 10, 15 pounds, you know, when you're really or when you're really trying to get tone and you're trying to dial it in and you want to take it to that next level with muscle gain. And like I said, just getting tone, then healthy eating alone is not going to cut it. It really isn't. You know, where are those calories coming from eating it in the right ratios of macros? You know, your proteins, carbs and fats. If you're not sure what macro counting is. I did do a podcast episode a couple of weeks back about that. And that's really, it really does matter when you're trying to get fit and you're trying to take it to the next level. So those are the five weight loss myths, the top five weight loss myths that I struggled with the most in the beginning and the ones that I still hear women struggle with as well. Like I've heard women say, I'm eating super healthy, but I'm not, I don't look fit and I'm not gaining muscle or I'm not, you know, it, it's, there's really more to it than just the eating healthy part. So let's go on just recap. What were those top five weight loss and fitness myths? Number one was don't eat after 7 p.m. or something magic is going to happen. It's all going to go to the places you don't want it to go to. We talked about that. Number two was you can't spot reduce fat right? People think we can't, that you can spot reduce fat. That's a myth. The next one is cardio is the best exercise for fat loss. We talked about debunk that. That's a myth. Lifting heavy will make you bulky. We debunked that. That's a myth. That was number four. And the last one was all you have to do is eat super healthy to um, lose weight and you have to give up your favorite foods. And the other part that I didn't talk about and I need to just kind of touch on a minute is the whole health of favorite foods. You do not have to give up all the foods you love to lose weight. 
You don't. You just have to make sure you stay within your calories and your macros for the day. And of course, we want to make healthier choices because it keeps us feeling fuller longer. It'll help us to, you know, do the best in our workouts and feel better. But there is room for your favorite foods within moderation. There's totally room for that kind of stuff. Guys, if I had to give up Mexican food and chips and salsa, I don't wanna live this life. (laughs) If you know me, that is my kryptonite food is chips and salsa. Like I can sit there and I have to like, I have to stop myself guys because I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to eat my food because they're like, do you want another, uh, (laughs) do you want another basket of chips? And I'm like, oh yes, I do. I usually, I'm gonna be, man, this is bad. I'm gonna be honest, I usually go through like two, big cups of salsa when I'm at a restaurant. But anyways, the thing is that you can fit that stuff in and you can still see progress. You just got to be smart about it and you got to know how to fit it in throughout your day. So if I know I'm going to go, this is why I love macro County too, is if I know I'm going to go eat out with my husband or my family that evening, then the beginning of the day, I, I you know, throughout the day, I'm going to eat high protein meals, but I'm going to eat lower carb and lower fat. I'm going to save those fats and and carb macros for my dinner so I can be like, yes, I can eat this and I'm still staying pretty much on track. Like I'm not getting off track that much. And so anyways, it's been a game changer for me. But I hope that you found these very helpful. And like always, I suggest if this podcast was helpful to please leave me a five-star review, especially a review like a written one people have been doing the five stars lately which I so appreciate it's freaking awesome thank you guys so much but leaving me a review and letting me know why like what it is that you like about the podcast so I can make sure I keep doing that stuff (laughs) all right so for now go out there and be the strong mom that you know you are and I will see you in next week's episode bye for now Hey mom, are you struggling to consistently eat healthy? Are you doing good like the beginning of the week until about Wednesday, Thursday hits and then you just completely fall off track and you're just really struggling on how to make healthy living a part of your busy mom life? Well, I got something really amazing and it's free to share with you and I put together a three-part video series where I share three secrets on how I consistently eat healthy year-round and not only that, but these things are tried and true. I've shared them with my clients and it's worked for them, so that means more than likely it's going to work for you. So if you're interested in grabbing that three-part video series, like I said, absolutely free. Just go to www.mamasnewstrong.com forward slash three secrets. That's www.mamasnewstrong.com forward slash three secrets.